The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Dan O'Brien is the Chief Economist with the Institute of International and European Affairs and he's a columnist with the Business Post and he's with me in studio to dig into what Eamon was just telling us about in the news headline, Census 2022. Uh, Dan, the population over 5 million for the first time in, in over 170 years is the headline figure that everybody is focusing on. Is is that the standout figure for you as well? Strange, it's you know to be, to be growing so fast, particularly at a time when many countries' populations are falling. And particularly when we had such a strange demographic history from the famine for 120 years, our population shrank. And that was a time when the rest of the world, the population was exploding. So we went down when everyone was going up for 120 years. And for the past 50 or 60 years, we've been going up where most countries have either been flattening out or actually falling. And uh, and are we breeding like rabbits in this country or is it inward migration? What's causing it? No, it? most of it now. We used to have a higher birth rate than most uh, of Europe until very recently. Mm. Uh, but our birth rate and the number of births has fallen very sharply. It hasn't recovered with the economy very differently from the past. Let's say the Celtic Tiger, when the birth rate bumped up again with good economic times, it hasn't turned around this time. It started falling at the crash, hasn't p- come back up. So most of our population growth has been, has been caused by inward migration. A big chunk of that is Irish people coming back, incidentally, so it's not just foreigners, but it's mostly foreigners. Uh, so that is, that's, that's what's really now driving our population. And how does the number of Irish people leaving compare to the number of Irish people coming uh, back? Because uh, one of the big narratives is, you know, we've got this uh, drain of people out of the country. Excellent question. Now, so the census, because it only takes uh, it, 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 people who fill it in are people who are here. So by definition, those who've left aren't filling it in. Mm. Uh, so the, the CSO does separate figures on that. And contrary to that narrative, the latest set of figures only goes up to April of last year. So a bit out of date. Yeah. Uh, they show that over five or six years, the number of people coming and going, the, st- the state statisticians estimates about the same. Okay. So there hasn't been an uptick according to the best figures we have in outward migration, despite this sort of thing, 70% of people are thinking of emigrating. Uh, numbers are just not showing that. There's a narrative that just is not supported by evidence. That's interesting. The other narrative as well, when we talk about population, is that rural Ireland is or has a declining population, particularly on the, 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 the western yep. seaboard. How is that borne out in the census? Wow. Now, this is one of my bugbears, and I, I've been writing columns about this for years. This idea that rural Ireland is dying, we spend tens of millions doing these censuses every few years, uh, they are showing very, very clearly every county in the state, every single county in the state has seen its population expand. Your own Kilkenny uh, and Donegal are the slowest growing uh, between last year and 2016. They only had about 5% growth. Well, the thing is, this, ev- that the, the average in Europe is about zero. So even the slowest growing uh, counties in Ireland are growing much more rapidly than most other countries in Europe. So, you know, it's the, the idea that people are draining out of rural Ireland, the, the census just keeps showing that's not the case. So uh, the, the fact that our uh, population is, is is not being mirrored, our population trends are not mirrored across Europe. Are, are, are we then in a better position uh, to deal with uh, some of the def- demographic challenges other countries in Europe are facing, like the likes of Italy with a, v- a very o- ageing population, very much an ageing population? Or is it just the case that, well, yeah, we'll get there eventually. We're kind of just behind them. Yeah, it's it's the latter. We probably will, given that our birth rate is going down. Now, you know, it depends. If you were to continue with that rate of immigration, immigrants tend to be younger people who come in, in at working age. So if you were to continue with that level of immigration, then you keep pushing out the 
that aging process a bit, but we are also aging as well. Uh, mm. You know, given that the, the the indigenous population, which still makes up more than eighty percent of, of of people, is aging. So it's more that you sort of delay it a bit. But the fundamental is that the birth rate is hugely is much lower than you'd need to replace the population. Uh, well, when and I appreciate this kind of brings us beyond the the realms of the census strictly, but when, when you combine kind of our declining birth rate uh, and you 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 set it against the state of the economy at the moment, that the fact that we're in full employment and that there are so many recruitment companies around this country desperately looking overseas. For talent, um, you know, for, for for every industry, particularly the big industries like pharma and what have you. I mean, in the short term, it we're likely to see that inward migration continue at a fairly significant pace. Are we or are there things in this census that would suggest actually there, there's going to be a few stumbling blocks to that, like housing? Well, frankly, I am surprised that the... People who emigrate, and I, my years as an immigrant in different countries, I, I never bought, I always rented. And that's typical of the, you know, as somebody comes to a country, doesn't speak the language, doesn't know if they're going to stay, usually is much slower to buy than somebody of their own age who yeah. grows up in that country. So the demand in the rental sector is really where the immigrant population go. And that's where we really have a problem. Uh, so the idea that you know, at some point it's just got to choke things off. You know, there are so few places out there, like Ireland really does, in my view, the housing side, the house purchase side is not out of line with other countries, but our rental market is the worst I've ever seen anywhere. There are just so few places. Rents are truly amongst the highest in the world. You would think that would start choking off the numbers of people coming simply because people can't find houses. Mm. Uh, Now, you know, clearly since the census night, we've had a huge wave of uh, immigration, mostly of, of Ukrainian people. Uh, and that is simply going to add to housing pressure. So, it, you know, sooner or later, it's got to start cutting it off because you just can't build to match the rate of population growth that we've had over the past year or so. Sociologists, you'd imagine, uh, 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 will have fascinating work to do in years to come on that level of immigration from Ukraine, won't they, over the next 12 months? Because if that war were to stop tomorrow and people were to move home, there's still an awful lot of people who might not and and, and will make their home. That would be the experience around the world is that, you know, in in post-war societies, everybody doesn't turn around and go home. No, no, but I I would think an awful lot of people would, you know, an awful lot of the people here, you know, the the fathers of the kids are either fighting over there or involved in in, in the war economy in some way. So, you know, I would imagine a lot of people, most most will go back if things were to settle down. But, you know, the, the reality is even if there was some sort of cessation tomorrow, would people feel secure that it wouldn't restart? So I think it's unlikely that there's going to be an outflux uh, of, of of Ukrainian people anytime soon. Uh, there's a, just a couple of other things I wanted to mention because we're, we're, we're going to discuss in more detail with Caroline Reedy and Neil MacDonald this, uh, working from home, but uh, that seems to be something that um, we, we may still be in the muddling through phase, but doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Yeah, look, my, my view is the idea that you know, commuting on a Monday morning, on a Monday evening, on a Tuesday morning, t- doing that when you don't have to is dead. And people have just saw the one of the, the only upside of the pandemic was people yeah. saying, look, we don't need to spend 10 commutes a week just to be present in the office. So my view is office, this is, this is a step change, a structural change in the way we work permanently. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Kira Kelly was talking about it this morning and she was making the, the, the case for the office and, and some of 
the things she said I'd absolutely agree with. There's kind of intangible benefits to being around other people and, and, and this kind of learning by osmosis. She also made the point that kind of productivity dips and my reaction listening to her was kind of so what? I mean, I, I think we've learned as well, have we, that squeezing every last inch out of your employee on the productivity side, I mean, long short-term success, long-term, the road to ruin, probably. Well, I, it's too early to say in terms of, you know, we in the economics business to know how it's really affected productivity. So, you know, it, I think it'll take time before we we, mm. we actually understand whether it does. And just one sort of aspect on that in terms of the benefits before the pandemic, no one agreed, disagreed with the idea about the water cooler moment. The yes. people hanging around the office, meeting somebody at the water cooler, having an idea, and that's how innovation started. I think everyone was wrong about that. I think it actually, was actually less important than we had all assumed, uh, because most of us who were doing working, you know, we, we innovated our way through the pandemic. We had to. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to mm. be in a room with somebody to be innovative. So and innovation is obviously a very, part of, very important part of productivity growth. If you do new things better and things better, then you increase productivity. So it's not certain that working from home does reduce productivity by any means. Well, listen, Dan, I appreciate that you uh, rejected the idea of working from home. Join me in studio today. Dan O'Brien is the Chief Economist at the Institute of International European Affairs, columnist as well. Um, uh, uh, so listen, Dan, thanks a million uh, for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.